Is centrism a position of cowardice or thoughtfulness? Unless you're a centrist, you probably know the answer to that question. Today, we're going to be talking about how people are taking a stand and helping this world that's spinning wildly out of control to kind of get back to a place of normalcy. Two letters in particular over the weekend came out. One from the Vanderbilt Medical Clinic stating that they are pausing all gender-affirming care in minors as a result of the backlash that they've been receiving from places like the Daily Wire and our own senators here in the state of Tennessee. And then also, John MacArthur has had enough with Gavin Newsom, so he wrote a scathing letter to him about his abortion policies that you do not want to miss. We'll talk about that and more today on IndieThinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Anchor.biz. That's A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. If you're a small business owner or just a business owner, period, and you're finding it harder and harder to thrive in this economy that our politicians have created for us, well, then you need to look at Anchor. Right now, it's hard for people to find staffing solutions. It's hard for people to find the requisite income to even pay payroll in some cases. And, and this is a great opportunity for you to take some of those tasks to free you up to focus on your bottom line and, and to, to give those tasks to somebody who is an expert at them. So Anchor can help you with that. They can help you with business solutions. They can help you with vision and strategy for your business. They're helping us here at IndieThinker with that. They can help you with payroll solutions. They can help you with bookkeeping, accounting, and so much more. So you need to go over to ancur.biz today and let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Because if you do, they're offering a special right now for IndieThinker listeners on payroll solutions. So go over to Anchor today and, and just let them show you how they can put legs underneath your vision. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Today, we're going to crush echo chambers through the combination of faith and reason. Now, whether you're a person of faith or a person of reason, when we work together, good things happen. And perhaps that's no truer than in the case of today's story that we want to start with. Uh, perhaps you're familiar with Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire. So here's my official answer for the record. Um, Kiss my just recently, he's been covering some things that have been happening at the pediatric gender clinic at Vanderbilt, just down the road in Nashville from us. But they have a history of child mutilation, otherwise known by the Biden administration as, quote, gender affirming care. Well, some videos emerged of them doing uh, these surgeries, gender reassignment surgeries to, uh, to minors. And there was also a video of one of its affiliated doctors hosting a conference of sorts for the people who run clinics like the one at Vanderbilt. And she was extolling the, the virtues of phalloplasties because, quote, these surgeries bring in a lot of money. Uh, female to male bottom surgeries are huge money makers. And over the weekend, Walsh announced that the pediatric gender clinic at Vanderbilt has now pa paused all gender reassignment surgeries for minors. Now, this is a moment for celebration, and you can hit pause real quick, but make sure to come back. And if you haven't subscribed, subscribe. But of course, we already said that. But by the way, this, this letter is an explicit acknowledgement that because they had to pause surgeries in minors, that they were performing surgeries in minors which of course we've known forever. But in this letter, the chief health officer of the hospital said this, quote, you have asked the VUMC to halt permanent gender 
affirmation surgeries being performed on minor children. On September 6, 2022, WPATH, which is, by the way, a activist organization, published a new version of its recommendations to healthcare professionals for treatment of transgender persons, known as SOC-8. In light of these new recommendations, and as a part of completing our internal clinical review of the SOC-8 guidance and patients under 18, we'll, we will be seeking advice from local and national clinical experts. We are pausing gender affirmation surgeries on patients under age 18. While we complete this review, which may take several months, we understand this issue is likely to be taken up by the General Assembly in the next legislative session. As always, we will assure that VUM's programs comply with any new requirements which may be established as a part of Tennessee law. Now, I read that letter to you because this should be proof positive that we cannot take middle positions on the issues that matter most. This letter should be proof positive that we can make a difference and should make a difference. The lives that will be saved from this one act cannot be measured. Think about all the people that were in line as minors to go through these surgeries, but now will not be able to. While the world of weak, equivocating pastors on moral issues will tell you that uh, you cannot legislate righteousness, all I can tell you is this, is that you cannot sit on the sidelines either while penises are being chopped off of kids and call yourself a legitimate Christian. The issues that matter most demand a side. And I think we all know this at the end of the day, yet now we're still hearing, I'm so tired of the partisan media and there's extremes on both sides. And what about that holy middle? I'm, I'm, I'm not political, I'm practical. And most confoundingly of all that comes from Christians is this, Christians aren't liberal nor conservative. They're just supposed to be loving. All of this is to equivocate and suggest that moral relativism actually exists, that one side is just as right as the other, or even worse, that each side has their own sins account to account for, so let's not be judgy. It's clear to anyone with eyes and ears that one side, one side clearly wants to put their diabolical little hands on kids in the womb to kill them, and if they can't get away with that, they'll move heaven and earth to chop off the genitals of these small children which statistically sends them into issues of lifelong pain and suicidal ideation up to about seven to 10 years after their surgery. And here's the aforementioned doctor that I, that I said that was in that clip about uh, speaking to other clinicians, telling them how much money they could make. Here's that doctor admitting to this idea that, hey, some of the money that you're gonna make is because lifelong pain is in store for these people. These surgeries are labor intensive. They require a lot of follow-ups. They require a lot of OR time. And they make money. They make money for the hospital. So as you might be able to read between the lines, which is important for us nowadays to have this kind of level of discernment, when they say follow-ups, what they mean is more money because these surgeries have major issues in the aftermath. So in a world where babies are being aborted by and large simply for convenience and children are being shoved on puberty blockers, which the FDA has already warned could cause permanent blindness if used on children, we cannot continue to morally, spiritually, and intellectually state that we take a middle position on these issues. It's not a time for centrism, needless to say. And I think more and more people are, are getting tired of that kind of political stance and that kind of thing inside of Christian circles. 
but what about the Christian nationalists, some say? And what about that, the, the accursed F word, the, uh, those stinking fundamentalists who believe in the Bible? Or worse, those people who voted for Donald Trump. The horror. Stop for three seconds, take a breath, shake the lukewarmness off, and think for yourself. And ask yourself this. Do I actually run into the kind of people the media talks about? Maybe the kind of Christians the media talks about? Do I actually know any white person who really thinks they're superior to black people? Do I actually think that there's a real difference between Stacey Abrams suggesting that the gubernatorial election in Georgia was stolen from her is any different from people thinking that there are concerns with the 2020 election where a barely lucid man got out of the basement to run a campaign and won? All of this whataboutism is nothing less than gaslighting. It's an attempt to try to keep you second-guessing yourself, pushing you further and further toward the middle so the left can go further and further to the left while they pull the curtain shut, keep prying eyes away, and pull out their knives on poor defenseless children. Centrism is merely just a man-pleasing attempt to excuse laziness and the unwillingness to think clearly and thoughtfully about critical issues that demand robust answers. And that's what we're gonna see in many of today's headlines in Christianity Not Today. Today, we're gonna to be talking about an article in Christianity Today about centrism. Now, um, before I do that, I just wanna say some of the most powerful institutions in America have colluded to help push forward the radical gender ideology that we're seeing all over the place. Now, um, if, if it wasn't so demonic, I would almost think it's admirable how they have used powerful institutions to push forward this idea. I'm speaking about things like some school districts who have been doing things like Drag Queen Story Hour, woke corporations, some of the biggest in the business like Disney with their Pride Spectacular. Hello, and welcome to the Disney Plus This Is Me Pride Celebration Spectacular. I'm Nina West, and I'm here to guide you through a magical, musical, and meaningful celebration of the LGBTQ plus community. And even our own government. Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. But one institution that should have the most to say about immoral things going on in society has stayed eerily quiet on the subject of transgenderism, especially in minors. And this article in Christianity Today kind of illustrates that very point. And it says a lot while urging Christians mostly to say nothing. And the article starts with this headline, moral middle candidates want to save America, but they keep losing. Now, the reason these moral middle candidates keep losing is because they stand for nothing. And by and large, people are sick and tired of politicians who don't stand for anything, who won't fight for the things that they say they stand for. And a person who stands for nothing eventually will fall for everything. A wise man once said that. So we want politicians who actually have enough backbone to stand up for something, to be willing to risk something, that actually believe in something so that we can believe in them. In the meantime, we're sitting here asking Christians nowadays to do the exact same thing. And we do so at least, I think, for a compassionate reason. We want people to accept Jesus, to believe the things that we preach, and to and to be willing to at least give it a shot. And so we try to take on this middle position that's 
trying to please the most amount of people, and we make our version of Christianity blander and blander and blander or more bland, whatever the case may be. And then we find that nobody has an appetite for that kind of Christianity. That kind of lukewarm Christianity is not palatable for the public, nor for God, by the way. And so we find that Christianity today still hasn't learned its lesson, but it still wants to exalt the moral middle or the radical middle in in this article. So it goes on to say this. Phil Heimlich didn't throw a party the night of the primary election. The Republican candidate didn't gather his volunteers to watch the results come in, toast each other's hard work, and crack inside jokes one last time as they waited to see how badly they'd lose the incumbent congressman who props up election conspiracies. He just went home. He watched a movie with his kids and checked the vote tally on his phone as the ballots in Ohio's 8th congressional district were counted. His defeat didn't surprise him. That didn't make it less bitter. Quote, the problem, frankly, is that most evangelicals are on the wrong side, Heimlich told Christianity Today. Really, what side would that be, Heimlich? Now, because this moral middle or radical uh, middle candidate that we're about to hear a little bit more about lost, his suggestion is the only reason he could have lost is that Christians are obviously on the wrong side of these issues. Um, Now, could it just be, as we've already suggested before, that actually your moral middle stance didn't suggest any issues that appealed to voters. I find more and more that the exact opposite of what this individual is saying is actually the problem, that by and large, most Christians don't stand for much these days. And because they don't, they aren't taken seriously. Or if they do stand for something, they usually go about it in the most anti-intellectual way. The, the center nowadays is so left from the center in past generations because of our present political times that we have to understand even taking a centrist position on most issues today means that you're a leftist. So there is a necessity to take a position. The question is, is how are we going to take those positions? Well, we need to be able to take those positions based upon objective truth and reason. And if you're not willing to take a position, then we don't have anything that we want to do with you, frankly. We don't want to vote for you. We don't want to agree with you. We don't want to pat you on the back because you say you're a Christian, no matter how evangelical you try to say you are. We've fallen for that over and over and over again in the past with other political candidates. But by the way, for those of you who are not um, within the Christian framework, You'll know that one of the things that we've dealt with for the longest time, or you won't know perhaps, that one of the things that we've dealt with for the longest time in the church is people who confess to be Christians but are not at all. That should come as no surprise to anybody because you've probably met some in your life. This doesn't mean that they're flawed. doesn't mean that they make mistakes. It just means that they have no concept of what Christianity is at all. They may just go to church sparingly because their wife drags them there, but they are not Christians. And so the reality is, is that what we need more than anything is we need people, real people, to stand up and take authentic positions, not center positions. And this is why you lost, friend. But he'll go on to elaborate his losing strategy in full color. Heimlich, a former Cincinnati city councilman and the son of the doctor who invented the Heimlich maneuver, was once a proud representative of the religious right. He still considers himself a conservative, and he's still an evangelical. He attends Crossroads, a multi-site megachurch. Now, I just want to stop real quick because I have some personal knowledge of Crossroads. Crossroads is a megachurch. 
the biggest in Cincinnati. Uh, so it should come as no surprise to you that this lukewarm church does not desire to actually preach about anything that creates a Christian stance on any of the important issues of our day as well. So it's no surprise that Heimlich goes to crossroads. But he's not part of the religious right anymore, he says. Heimlich, along with a mostly unorganized group of candidates, activists, and operatives across the country, is straining to establish a religious middle. He likes the phrase radical middle, a term he learned from a vineyard pastor. Whatever it's called, these are Christians who want to defend democratic norms against the partisanship that warps people into election deniers. They're against the polarization that helps politicians win gerrymandering districts but doesn't prioritize solving problems. They want the country to work, and they're tired of toxic, trolling, apocalyptic politics. And, the, and then here's the kicker, right? Heimlich ran on support for Ukraine and January 6th hearings. Now that list of things that this guy stands for okay, is, is the most non-centrist, left-leaning list for a supposed centrist I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, so let's get this right. So support for the Ukraine. Not necessarily a left-leaning thing, but by the way, I don't know many people who don't support the Ukraine, but it depends on if we're talking about saying, hey, the Ukraine has the right to defend themselves or, uh, you know, let's put a Ukraine flag in our Twitter bio. Uh, sure, support them that way. But there is some pretty heavy kind of disagreement with sending billions of dollars to the Ukraine. Now, I'll be the first to admit that I'm kind of ambivalent about it, but I don't think it's a centrist position. Okay, now how about the other one? The January 6th commission in support of that. Okay, this felonious kangaroo court who wants to stand up and literally do nothing more than create a attempt to shine a positive light on Joe Biden going into the midterms is, is not a centrist position. So if you sense a, a little bit of a skepticism with the actual ambitions of the January 6th commission and people like Liz Cheney, you would be totally correct because Liz Cheney isn't a centrist. She's now saying that she's going to run for president as a Democrat. So, so much for centrist positions that really are leftist positions. Now, I mentioned this before, but I just want to I want to reiterate because this is important. More and more, we're seeing personalities like Tim Pool and Bill Maher and people like that who were firmly on the left find themselves slowly but surely becoming centrist, uh, especially if you think about it from a leftist perspective. But these guys wouldn't consider themselves centrist. It's just that they have decried the radicalism of the left shifting further and further and further to the left that now to be in the center seems almost, it seems almost Republican, but it, but it isn't Republican just because you sit in the center. To truly be a conservative, you stand for life. You stand for life in the womb and you stand for life outside of the womb. You don't give in to emotional arguments, but you think about time-tested wisdom that should be carried on for ages and generations. That's what it means to be a conservative. But more and more, these centrists are really just liberals posing as anybody from the evangelical right. If you want to be in the evangelical right, stand up for something that actually has any, you know, any base and any support for those that are evangelicals and on the right. So far, this guy hasn't been able to present anything that, that mirrors that. And no wonder he lost and got fifth place. But it doesn't stop Christianity Today from writing a boo-hoo article about this individual. He's just too moderate for today's evangelicals who are all stricken with the disease of Christian nationalism and fundamentalism. 
You can almost hear it pouring through the pages of this leftist, supposedly Christian publication. But here's the real issue at the end of the day. Places like Christianity today don't represent the religious right, not because the religious right is too radical or even not because the liberal left is becoming more and more radical. The big problem here is that Christianity today is not just interested in making enemies of the truth. They're interested in making friends of elitist. And here's what I mean by that. Like the dorky kid at the party that has been ostracized and not allowed to play on the playground, they've constantly desired to sit with the jocks and the cheerleaders at the lunch table, but they've been kind of left out from that. By and large, the biggest places in society, those who have the most cultural power, especially in media and entertainment and in those places, those are largely run by the left. But Christians have clamored for that kind of cultural power for so long, and because they've been left out, they're desperate for it. So when Donald Trump came along, Christianity Today found that they have an inroad into elitist circles. All they have to do is they have to bash Trump, and then they gain a strange new respect from those elitists on the left. Christianity Today smelled the farts in the room that other elitists were getting high on, and that aroma attracted them to the room, and they couldn't help themselves. They loved that strange new respect, just like Liz Cheney, who is now running as a Democratic presidential candidate. They want that strange new respect, and they want to be welcomed into those circles. They get to sit with Barack Obama, and they get to sit with the brave and the bold and the effervescent Hillary Clinton, and they get to meet wits with the greatest among us. And in this age of bureaucracy, where more and more people are getting sick and tired of elitists who know nothing and act like they know something, running this country. So in the midst of that, Christianity today has lost their way. They've forgotten the admonition in the book of Proverbs that says this, when sitting before a king and he gives you all of his fine delicacies, put a knife to your throat before you're given to that food and eat too much. In other words, it would be better for you to commit suicide than to be seduced by people in positions of power. But that's exactly what's happened to Christianity today. Christianity today wants to toe the middle and forget the truth while it pushes further and further to the left to gain this strange new respect. But the good news is, is that there are some Christians who are not having it. And one in particular, John MacArthur just wrote an open letter and read it uh, to his congregation, released it online, and it was written to Gavin Newsom. Now, John MacArthur is one of the biggest evangelical pastors on the planet, uh, has a radio ministry, uh, a preaching ministry called Grace to You that reaches all over the world, and uh, he is stationed in California. And he wrote this open letter to Gavin Newsom, released it all over the place, and I want to read a little bit of it for you today on the show because let's just call it epic. So here's what it says. Sir, Almighty God says in his word, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Scripture also teaches that it is the chief duty of any civic leader to reward those who do well and to punish evildoers. You have not only failed in that responsibility, you routinely turn it on its head, rewarding evildoers and punishing the righteous. The word of God pronounces judgment on those who call evil good and good evil, and yet many of your policies reflect this unholy upside-down view of honor and morality. The diabolical effects of your worldview are evident in the statistics of California's epidemic of crime, homelessness, sexual perversions like homosexuality and transgenderism, and other malignant expressions of human misery that stem directly from corrupt public policy. I don't need to itemize or elaborate on the many immoral decisions you have perpetrated against God and the people of our state, which have only exacerbated these problems. 
Nevertheless, my goal in writing this is not to contend with your politics, but rather to plead with your with you to hear and to heed what the word of God says to men in your position. And, and I'll skip a little bit further down, and it says this. In mid-September, you revealed to the entire nation how thoroughly rebellious against God you are when you sponsored billboards across America promoting the slaughter of children whom he creates in the womb. You further compounded the wickedness of that murderous campaign with a reprehensible act of gross blasphemy, quoting the very words of Jesus from Mark 12:31, as if you could somehow twist his meaning to arrogate his name in favor of butchering unborn infants. You use the name of the words of Christ to promote the credo of Molech. It would be hard to imagine a greater sacrilege. And then just one last part, kind of as he closes. My concern, Governor Newsom, is that your own soul lies in grave eternal peril. Each one of us will give an account to himself, of himself, to God. One day, not very long from now, you will face that reality. Nothing is more certain. You will stand in the presence of the holy God who created you, who is your judge, and he will demand that you give an account for how you have flouted his authority in your governing and how you have twisted his own holy word to rationalize it. As you look over the precipice of eternity, what will be your answer? When you look ahead of you and see that nothing awaits you but eternal misery, the just punishment for your sin, what will all the clever rationalizations and political talking points avail of you then? So now, as you can tell, that letter is very clear, very direct, and very bold. And I also think there is a a good tinge of grace to it. Ultimately, this letter is written boldly and lovingly um, in a way that that encourages correction for the sake of Gavin Newsom. So this is not just a letter where John MacArthur is thumping his chest or trying to troll Gavin Newsom. This is this is about a good of display uh, of a prophetic voice speaking to a person in a position of power. And this is the reason that I bring this up, is that we need more and more of it. Because when we see society spinning out of control, whether you blame Joe Biden or you blame Donald Trump, there is one institution who has a responsibility to do something about that, and that's the church. There's an often quoted verse of scripture that's usually misunderstood because some versions render it in a way that in our positive mental attitude moment, we, we take to mean something like this. It says, without a vision, the people perish. And so we think to ourselves, well, you better get your vision board and create a vision for your life because you don't want to spiritually perish because you don't really know the, your purpose for existing. That's not what that verse really means. Um, in fact, other translations render it more faithful to the original Greek, and it says this, that without a prophetic voice, the people cast off all restraint. So it's not perishing, it's losing moral restraint. And that happens as a direct result of a lack of prophetic voices. This is why John MacArthur is standing up against Gavin Newsom in those billboards. But moreover, since MacArthur wrote this letter, Gavin Newsom has been doubling down on demonic and evil policy. Just recently, Gavin Newsom signed into law something that will take effect in January, and it's a law that says this, that if you live in a state like Texas and you can be charged with child abuse for gender reassignment surgery in your minor, which we already showed, by the way, is taking place, then you can flee to a place like California where you can find that freedom. Now, a man that calls freedom child abuse is somebody that desperately needs to be stopped, and somebody like John MacArthur should take his position of power and do something about it. We need prophetic voices like that to stop this kind of travesty. Now understand, 
first and foremost, that there are people who look at these issues differently, right? It's So let's just state for, for fact right now that what is taking place is one state is has child abuse laws and another state is creating a loophole so that those parents will not get charged with child abuse. Now push aside the, what we're talking about for a moment and just think about that because if that doesn't sound crazy to you, I've got another one. Let's bring back in what we're actually talking about. We're talking about the gender mutilation of children. Now, the only reason you think this is okay is that you have been totally abducted by gender ideology and intersectional feminism, so much so that you cannot see that it is wrong to mutilate the genitalia of a minor. Anybody who is a parent which is not those in the LGBTQIA plus community because that group of sterile people have no understanding how children actually work, obviously, because anybody who is a parent understands that your kids basically know nothing all the way up until their early 20s, especially now with the premature kind of like the uh, prolonged adolescence of our, of our present age. Like, there is no way that these people have the right kind of tools to make a decision as life-altering as this. And so in every sense of the word, this is child abuse. But yet, so very few pastors can muster the kind of backbone and the courage of John MacArthur. And because they can't, society is declining and spinning further and further out of control and becoming less and less recognizable. You can blame partisanship if you want to. You can cast all the blame you want to on Donald Trump. But ultimately, the church has a little bit of blame to share with the way the world works because the church has a responsibility to be a moral compass, a north star in the midst of everything that's going on in the world. And that's what that scripture verse that I already quoted says. That when there is no prophetic voice, the people cast off all restraints. When there is no person speaking the word of God to the culture, lawlessness grows. So we can look at Marxism. We can look at gender ideology and intersectional feminism, third wave feminism and queer theology and all of these things that are just totally morally and spiritually bankrupt. We can look at CRT and we can blame that and we should. But we also must look in the mirror as Christians who believe the Bible and say, if we're not willing to speak out, then this is why the world looks the way that it does. And I hope that we can muster the strength to do something. Because in the meantime, with all of our talk of compassion and benevolence and love, children are being butchered and parents are going through the heart-wrenching discovery that their children have been abducted by an ideology that has by and large been unresisted by Christians. And that brings us to the final thing that I want to kind of share with you guys, um, final headline, I guess. And I, I, I don't want to call it a headline because this is something that happened six years ago, but it just came on my radar today. But I want to show you a clip from Dr. Phil where a, a father sees his son for the first time dressed as a woman. And I just want you to see the reaction of this father, because if we're going to talk about compassion, then we need to think about compassion for people like this. So, so here's that clip. Oh, 
Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Tell me what you're thinking and feeling right now, Gary. I'm hurt bad. Really bad. What do you what do you have to say? Why? I mean, just look at that guy. That's absolutely heartbreaking. He's inconsolable almost as his heart is being crushed. And for those of us who have kids, uh, we understand this, that, that it would be heartbreaking to, to see this kind of thing. So sympathy cares about the parents who are watching their kids being butchered and being lied to. And sympathy cares about the kids who are in this situation too. True compassion cares about these kind of things. So any claim to benevolence that doesn't take these things into account is not centrist. It's not uh, the radical middle. It's anything but. It is the cowardly quiet. And if you can sit back and watch this father with his heart breaking on national television and still call yourself a person in the moral middle or the radical middle, then, then frankly, I think there's little hope for you. But as we've seen, hope is only being deferred in the present because we've been so inactive. We haven't been doing the things that we need to do to actually change things. So the hope we have of actually making a difference, a lot of people have given up hope on that. But this is hope deferred, guys. This is, this is just hope yet to be realized because as more and more people speak out, we're seeing that we can truly make a difference. And this is true in the case of John MacArthur, and this is true in the case of Matt Walsh. But my hope is that you watching this and more like you will find the courage to get informed, stay informed, and then take a position. And by the way, that position is not, thank you, sir, may I have another. It's the position of realizing that you need to cross the line and pick a side because there is no neutrality when we're talking about the mutilation of minors in the womb, and outside the womb. We have to pick a side when it comes to that. And I wish you the best as you do it. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and go with God.